heaven hi hi heaven this is episode <laughs> 179 of rum doings at rum doings podcast at rum doings.com how you doing facebook john? forward slash rum doings yes how you doing john do you know nick i'm doing just great are you doing great works for the lord and for mammon Oh uh, yeah, it's just great words for Jesus. The topic today is, yeah. isn't it about time we <laughs> did something about that pesky Boko Haram? <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah. They're just, they're just misunderstood. Can't discuss it. So, what, what have you, what have, what have you been up to? What have I, hey, great mate, I have just taken the, the kitty cat to the vet to be... Chopped up into bits. Well, I noticed that you've been talking about your cat's ill health, uh, or rather the ill health that's specific about one of its limbs. She has a hole that goes all the way through her front right paw. Who, why did you try to crucify her? I believe it's just stigmata. No, I think you tried to crucify her after she bit through your cable. Oh, she bit through the cable after said injury, so I can't. So no court in the land would uphold your ridiculous claims is it was that as punishment for your taking her to the bed it's i believe it's punishment for being kept inside right um so she we took her to the vet last wednesday and because she had a, her paw was twice as big as it ought to have been did you put her in a cat basket uh, no i just dragged her by her hair right okay let's put a, I, tung, I tied a bit of string around one of her teeth um yes. and uh, and then they so they cleared it out and said oh dear me oh dear me that'll heal up in the, in the end took it back for a checkup and they went oh dear me it hasn't healed up one bit now i still get charged the 125 pounds for the first visit for the for the utter misdiagnosis and then another 90 pounds for the second visit and then today's operation should it go ahead is going to be at least 250 pounds it'll end up being more than that I would imagine so. And so, yes, she's um, she's got a hole that goes all the way through. The vet poked a cotton bud all the way through. How did that happen? Uh, probably another cat bite. Cats are just ridiculous. Why do we put up with them, really? I don't know why we put up with Lucy, because she has no redeeming features. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. And so... What is the operation going to be? They're just going to sew it back together again? Well, they're going to put her under so they can properly clear it out because it's so sore. She's, it's weird. She's very strange. The moment she got given the painkiller shot, she was trotting around on the paw like there was no hole going all the way through it. Right. Um, but when the vet was really digging into it to see how bad it was, she tried to bite the vet very hard. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, it was I, the vet I, said I, it was fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you, you've often tried to bite a nurse or a doctor who's fiddled with you, haven't you? Well, exactly. When they try and poke their cotton buds all the way through my fingers, my hand. Yes. Um, anyway, so yeah, so it looks like it's healing up really nicely now. So I'm gonna, I do wonder whether when they check it, they'll go, Meh, this need no operation. Well, I mean, just fill it with silly putty. Oh, good, the neighbours have started doing their jackhammering again. What are they doing? I don't know. I mean, she's about ninety something. And I don't know. Is what... this the Jesus neighbour or the other one? Jesus neighbour. Is she jackhammering for Jesus? <laughs> she's jacking for Jesus. Yes. <laughs> uh, she's she's Catholic though, so you wouldn't approve. Oh, I didn't realise she was a dirty Christian. You remember, remember, John, that um, what Jesus said is that if anybody says something nasty to you, you punch him in the face. And then sue them. But, uh, uh, that was an extraordinary thing to say because... It was so odd. It was because this Pope's been coming out with good thing after good thing. And then he suddenly goes, oh, I don't understand freedom of speech on any level. 
or 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 the thing that um that my lord was most famous for saying yes you know, about yeah, that's right. <laughs> punching to the other cheek i think is his phrase <laughs> if someone disses your mum punch them in the other cheek <laughs> did i get the, did, I, did i get the translation right i don't believe that's correct it was a strange thing for him suddenly to come out with i think it's important to remember that popes are also old men yes it's no they're not they're infallible no, well, they're not infallible. That's a myth. This one is infallible. He, he, he told me over, <laughs> over, over, over a romantic cocktail atop of the gherkin. They're very the, the infallibility that they introduced in the nineteenth century is very specific. It's only about. Um, it, it's only about about specific um, theology. It's or like something. doctrine stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Rather than their everyday mumblings. Rather than going, oh, I'd give them a big smack if they diss my dead mother, that kind of thing. <laughs> it was such a shame to hear him say, oh, yeah, freedom of speech only extends so far. Oh, Pope. But, Especially but... when yesterday he said Catholics need to stop breeding like rabbits. <laughs> which was amazing. Oh, well, he needs to be punched in the face for saying such <laughs> offensive things, surely. <laughs> you, he's literally dissing many people's mothers there. Have you heard that Birmingham is suing Fox News? Oh dear, this is all getting <laughs> stupid now. It's all got to touch, Steve, doesn't it? But thank goodness, Nick, at least Birmingham won't have to look at the tyranny of bare nipples any longer. I don't even know if I can talk about that. It's just, so. I mean, that, that whole thing is summarised by one person whom I tweeted. She she was excited that this had, that page three had ended, uh, so from now on, all newspapers go from directly from page two to page four, mm-hmm. um, and that ladies won't appear with their nipples in a newspaper. And I noticed when I looked at her bio on Twitter that she was a gallery owner. <laughs> oh no! And I said, "Have you ever?" And she told and her gallery had photos. I said, "Have you ever had a, a photo on your wall of a woman?" with bare breasts and she yes she admitted she had been so i said what you're really saying is you're very happy that um working class consider people. as working class people won't see the ladies that you that should be reserved for um middle or upper middle class people i mean john boobs are all right for us sort but you know builders or blacks <laughs> best not um, best, best not indeed and and look as as none of us, uh, as you know from my previous allegations, none of us here is a fan of Rupert Murdoch or anything he's ever done. But I'm not being hyperbolic when I say, of all the things in the Sun newspaper, a fairly natural-looking woman showing her boobies is probably the only thing I could put up with in that paper. <laughs> I, I'd abolish all the other pages except page three. <laughs> I believe that's what the Daily Star has done today. They've got gone page three crazy and, in celebration. Uh, and Victoria with her... Um, with 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 one of her, I think it was when she was doing the NCT training, and there were and various people, and that's what her article was about. And that people had very specific ideas about what the page three looked. Yes, was. The, the expectation that it was going to be the same as nuts and a silicon. And they opened it up, and they said, "No, it was actually quite a natural looking." They, uh, they have fairly, a rule that no, none of their person. models is allowed to have fake boobies. Uh, and indeed, and they don't, and they they weren't overly made up and that kind of thing. So, if I wanted Judith to see somebody who represented 
a perfectly good woman, ironically, it would probably be there rather than in one of the very many women's magazines, which are apparently fine. The, the you know the the, yes. the, the, the the shaming magazines that are in these okay and hello and goodbye. Hello, and, hello is irrelevant. Hello is about people's weddings and the luxury yeah. uh, oh, no, apartments. I, I don't know whether Grazia or whatever they're. Well, called. That's pretty much the same. But no, it's 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 the take a breaks and the, all these take magazines. Take a break. Just could, about how you're not a good enough woman. Magazines commit, commit a suicide. Uh, and <laughs> but here's the thing though nick i think you've got to be fair to no more page three is that on the back of their having uh fixed and removed <laughs> fgm from the world they had to move on to other projects exactly and and i know that uh what about re and that sort of comparison is is not usually allowed but um, in this case i feel it is appropriate i think it is because it's it's a direct if, if what they claim is accurate and true and that they are not being censorious and not being prudish. They merely want they want to do the one thing that will most immediately make the women's lives better. Then there are plenty of other targets that they should go to first. I, I just I watched uh, and it wasn't Boko Haram who did this, so I can um, I can talk about it. Uh, I saw a report about uh, it was your friends in ISIS uh-huh. uh, in Iraq, and they basically uh, a lady had had the temerity of being raped, and therefore, of course, she'd committed adultery. Because, you know, she had sex yes, with somebody yes, of outside course. of marriage. Um, so, of course, naturally, the bunch of men around her uh, decided that she needed to be stoned to death. Uh, and what was interesting was they made her keep her burqa on throughout her stoning. Because, of Well, course, you wouldn't want anything, protect... anything offensive to happen during a stoning. Exactly, to, to protect her modesty. So that sort of thing, plus FGM, plus that, I mean, I, I, at that point, that becomes such a powerful gravitational pull that I'd be embarrassed to be focused on page three to that degree. Now, that's not to say that normally you can't be focused on these things uh, in parallel way. Let's deal with all the world's problems at once. But I actually have kept an eye on the people who are obsessed about page three, and they genuinely don't want to talk about the more important things at all. So I'm suspecting that this is more of a sublimation rather than a, uh, a, a, a spreading wide into a very specific little obsession that's very easy to get het up about and to feel sanctimonious about because it's a because it doesn't force you to deal with the enormity that's that's out there about what women are really suffering and and it's it's hideous and i don't know uh, despite what we said in the topic uh it, it kind of feels at the moment like there are genuine nazis in the world and we're kind of not doing anything about it and that bothers me yes. a little bit it bothers me a bit uh, uh do you see the thing about the boy and his pigeons I, t- I sent it to you. Did you? Well, you was it? Oh, yes, it was. It was you. Sorry, I thought it was, it was my brother. No, it was you who sent that to me. And that's, you know, if it were anything other than what it is, it would be an almost funny story. We should probably know. explain that they, a, a boy and his father were... A boy was taken from his father and killed because yeah. they were pigeon fanciers. <coughs> but this were, is IS again. Yeah, uh, and because he was breeding pigeons, they said it's going to distract him from having to pray five times a day because, you know, he's be looking after the birds rather than tending to uh, Allah. Yes. And so they put the pigeons in a sack and burnt the pigeons alive, which is nice anyway. I mean, uh, that, that that just shows you it, it, it doesn't matter what area, or, you know, the, the, the pigeons weren't bad Muslims, were they? So why did they deserve that? Um, there are very specific rules on how you slaughter animals in Islam and to do with halal and so forth, whether you agree with them or disagree with them, but it just shows a, a scant disregard for that. And then, of course, the child is taken away, and when the father tried to intervene, they, they beat up the child in front of him. Well, that's nice. And they took it away, and it's now been killed. And when that sort of thing's happening, it's very difficult to... It's a failure. It's a failure of me maybe not to... 
be able to handle all these things at once, but I can't. It's I don't know. It's it's funny. I mean, we've said on the podcast before that page three is anachronistic, and, of course, and peculiar. What somebody um, actually said about that is uh, uh, no more page three and Claire Short going on about it probably ca- ironically kept it going for 10 more years than it would have because then it became uh, the sun doing Yabu sucks to all these. Yes, well, the, fr- the front page of the sun has a picture of two ladies in um, a very small picture of two ladies in lingerie and then boasts that they're going to be on page five. I don't know whether they've got their boobies out on page five because I've never seen the front but page. The, the victory is that all boobies will now be covered up uh, and that, that, that makes everything fine. It's it's a it's hard. I mean, I don't feel any great love for page three. It's like, oh no, page three's gone. It, no, of course not. It was and it was deeply peculiar. And I know it made lots of people uncomfortable. Like um, a friend was recently saying that their father was sat at the breakfast table. They were visiting the parents for, over Christmas, mm. and their father was sat at the breakfast table with the page three <laughs> just open, and their um, two three year old daughter sort of looking at it, trying to work out why it was happening. Well, I, I think and that's it's just all, it is just moment. sorry. I, I, I think that could be an educative moment. I think that it's very... I think that I would like Judy to be able to see a perfectly natural-looking woman with her clothes off. And, uh, and I'd say, well, people, people like boobies. You know, not, not just babies. Lots of other people like boobies as well. And like, people like to look at them. Um, yeah. and, and I'd be quite happy. I think it's something that you do need to deal with at some stage. And also, um, it, it seems to me that there, were, there was a lot of other peculiar messaging going across the year uh, the, the, there was a, a woman who I think Victoria saw who said you didn't say to Victoria you were never an eight-year-old girl because of course she thought that Victoria's handle was a man and therefore because <laughs> the only people who would be criticizing this you yes. were, you never had the experience of an eight-year-old girl in art class where the newspaper that was used to protect the painting you know they put the newspaper down on the paper uh-huh. had a page three girl on it Oh, that was the best thing ever when that happened at school. Woohoo! But I, and then I thought, hold on a moment. If if there if there had been a a painting on the wall by an old master, a print of a painting in that art class on the wall of that exact same sort of woman, you would have been fine with it. It would have been yes. perfectly acceptable. It's the fact that it was a scratcher at a newspaper that upset you. And if you get that upset about it, I think there's a there's an issue. Look, I I don't particularly need or want a page three i, I think it's, no. it's, it's it's peculiar but to become upset about it and to treat it as this strange entry drug is more problematic than the page itself because we shouldn't be so problematized by women you, with their no. shirts off indeed i mean it'd be nice to have a slightly more um i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say i try to tell you my page three story Go on then. I was, I think I was been been thirteen, mm-hmm. and we had a rabbit, we had a rabbit and guinea pig, mm-hmm. and our neighbours would give us their newspapers and the rabbit lining started, the hutch with, and, and the rabbit started eating through a lady's breast. <laughs> no, well, they, our neighbour took the Sun newspaper, uh-huh. um, and uh, so I, we had given these bags of newspapers, and they were going to the shed mm-hmm. where all the rabbit and guinea pig stuff was kept. Mm-hmm. And it was um, my and my sister's job to, we'd say, a week on, a week off, clearing out the hutch every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go into the shed and I would go through and take all the page threes out of the new, out of the suns mm-hmm. and keep them in a secret place. <laughs> I see. That was, that was my relationship with page three when I was 13. It was very um, informative. Well, 
Uh, and I think it's a far more innocent way than what with this internet and all that porn, you know, it was a much more innocent time, wasn't it, John? <laughs> it really was. It's kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm delighted that it's gone, I really am, because it's just it's just creepy and weird. Uh, uh, it's just there next to, as I said, someone said yesterday, there's a generation of people who are looking at a newspaper talking about um, celebrity gossip and the the, the uh, bombings going on around the world. Um, and then here's a lady with her boobies out, and now here's a story about what the government's up to. It was just really odd. I, yeah, but I like that oddness. Did you? It's, it's, yeah, it's, pro- it's problematizing, and if you've ever done any, any studied any social sciences, that sort of cognitive weirdness is something that one strives for every day because it kind of yeah, there is a lady there with her boobs out, and then there's news about what the government's up to, and that weirdness is a healthy thing. It, it shakes you up a bit, and yes, that's the world. The world is people with their bodies and politicians and atrocities i think i would have genuinely liked to see and this sounds this may sound like silliness but i think i would genuinely like to see the page three with the boobies out and page five with the willy out well there was the page seven fella at some stages but the problem is um to be honest the the sun is massively purchased by heterosexual males it's not like the daily mail yes it's just true Although, Although the Daily Mail is obsessed with boobies just as yeah, much as the, the sun. Yeah, but the thing is, apparently ladies don't like looking at men with their willies as much as men like looking at ladies with their that boobies. That doesn't make sense, because especially when it's my willy we're talking about. Well, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, John from, um, John from Bath, <laughs> you know, and that's the that's the uh, that's the funny thing. I mean, it it just would they they try the page seven feather, but there were too few too few takers. Sadly, what would my what would my Although, news in course, briefs say? Um, you you would talk about Kierkegaard. <laughs> I, I was, uh, and uh, but let's not pretend that the female gaze doesn't exist because if anybody ever remembers the uh, Diet Coke advert, one knows that bloody well does. Ladies love to objectify the gentlemen just as of much course. as the gentlemen love to objectify the ladies, and I am all for objectification. And here's why: um, I th- it's a, it's another one of those things we need to come to terms with the fact that we do objectify people, we like to objectify people as part of our genetic uh, and evolved heritage. We've got huge parts of the brain that are designed to to deal with that. But that's not a... It's a false dichotomy. If you objectify people, it doesn't mean immediately that you don't see anything else in any people. We can hold two things in our brains at once. So I can look at somebody and think, my goodness, what a lovely object, whilst not immediately thinking, and I'd like to smash it to smithereens and there's nothing else valuable about that person. And I think it's quite healthy that we come to terms with the fact that, yes, we like the aesthetics of certain people and their shapes. And isn't it isn't the argument, though, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but isn't the argument that objectification is is the reduction to merely an object? So take for granted, yes, human beings are literally objects. But is not objectification when you ignore all other factors and merely treat them as only an object? But I think you should be allowed to do that. You should be allowed to do that as long as that's not your exclusive diet. I think I don't understand. I'm just saying. I'm saying when it is exclusive, how no, you are exclusively no, treating the individual. Should, I think you should, whether it's whether it's straight or gay or a gentleman with his six pack or a lady with big boobs. There are times when you should not be shamed for saying, "Gosh, I really like the look of that person. I really don't give a toss what they think about the euro." <laughs> And you shouldn't feel guilty about that so long as you realize that you're allowing yourself that pleasure and you're conscious that you're doing that uh, and that you're also conscious that actually if you did meet them in real life, um, 
you, you, you'd help them across the street if they needed it, that kind of thing. So it's that balance of allowing yourself that frisson, knowing that it's a specifically compartmentalized response and that it doesn't define your whole relationship with, 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 with our social species. So what I I'm think, taking from this is that you're, you objectify elderly ladies who struggle to cross the road. Doesn't everybody? That's what you're staring at. That's what you want, pastry, to be, don't you? We do objectify elderly people in, 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 a, in a quite unpleasant way, though, don't we? We just treat them as these decrepit old husks with not much going on inside them except grumbles. Yeah, but how old are your parents, Nick? Come on, you know that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah but we also pretend that old people don't have any sexual desire or drive. Oh, yeah. Them. Everyone, they should repeat waiting course. for God. That's what they should do. Yeah, apparently this causes big problems in, in, in old age home and retirement villages because there's a lot of STDs that are going around. Well, that's not, this is what Waiting for God was about, wasn't it? Yes. The, the bizarre thing being that, I oh, know I've said this before, but Stephanie Cole now being as old as the lady she was playing, as Diana. Yes, yes indeed. It's very strange that she was playing someone 30 years her senior and the other guy opposite her, whose name I've forgotten rudely, Tom, yes. um, I can't remember the actor's name, he, he, was, he was the age she was playing. It was very odd they didn't just cast an el- older lady. Well, elder ladies can't act, can they? Oh, I see. Well, that's not true, because I just listened, f- finally, to the final cabin pressure. Oh, you only listen to it now? Well, I decided I wasn't going to listen live, because I'm too disorganised to listen to the radio mm-hmm. when it's actually happening, mm-hmm. um, on purpose, at the very least. Um, and so I thought, what well, I'll do. But I thought, no, I know I've missed a couple of episodes of Series 4 somewhere along the way, and I couldn't remember which really? ones. How, yeah, I know. How, how did you do well, that? Well, it's your Tintin theory. Knowing that it was coming to an end, I wasn't uh, in any hurry to fill in the gaps. Okay. But I finally, I finally faced this, and I started from the very beginning. I listened all the way through from Series 1. Okay. Before, and then over a few nights, and then finally I reached uh, the, the final two. What was your favourite episode of all the series? Oh, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I like lots of them. I think I've heard some of the early ones too many times, so they've started their little, their little um, scenario because starts to feel a little f- mm. uh, claustrophobic. I think if you listen to them too many times. So you you hate John Fiddemore then? I hate him, and I hate his funny programs and his cleverness. So what? Never. What was your least favorite one? What's what grated the most out of all the series? I need a list of... I'm going to have to pull up a list of the episode names to be able to do this, because there are 26. The Cremona one, where they go to Italy and they've got all the fans. Oh, no, I see, I like that one. Do you Is not that, like that one? No, I did, but he. I think he didn't. I think he, he thought he should have done that one better. No, something. there's one I read on his blog. There's one episode he wished he'd broken into two different stories and he was never happy with. Hmm. Um, what am I looking for? Cabin Pressure. That's right. There's, turns out there's a podcast called Cabin Pressure, which is annoying. It shouldn't be allowed. I agree. Episode list, please. Okay. Um, Abu Dhabi. I see. I liked Cremona. Can you, could you do it off the top of your head? How many can you name? Abu Dhabi. Yep. Um, I don't know. One. What, you can what, name one. <laughs> what was, was, was B Bahrain? No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. What was B? B was um, Boston. Oh, yes, of course. Cremona. The- Yep. Um, I don't know what D is. The the desert one. Oh yes, the desert. Doos. Doos. Yep. Uh, e, e was. You can't do this at all. No, I can't. E was no. Edinburgh. Fitton. Fitton, very good. Um, G was. H first because they were shown out of order. Oh. But go on. If you could do G, I'll, you'll get a special prize. Uh... Oh, uh, G was 
Oh no, kick green, kick 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 kick, kick Tarjurak. <laughs> Sadly not. It was Gudrisk. Oh yes, uh, and and H was Helsinki, yep. of course. I was. I don't know. See, I think Helsinki is probably my least favourite. The whole stuff with Carolyn's sister. Oh, you don't like Carolyn's sister? Played... Well, it was just it was a bit heavy-handed, I think. Yes, played by. I don't remember. Oh, hang on, I've got it right here. Alison Stedman. Alison Stedman? You don't know who Alison Stedman is? Um, Good God, the most famous actress this country's ever produced. You don't know who she is. <laughs> she, was in Ab- she, she, she was in Abigail's party. She so she Abigail's was. Mother. Good heavens, you don't know. And of course, she also appeared in Saturday Night Fry. Of, oh, yes, she did. And then, of course, Prunella Scales also appeared. And sadly, she's going a little doolally. She had short-term memories going. Yes, indeed. Um, so, did you enjoy the final two episodes? I did. They were really, really lovely. And did you like the fact that um, Miss, basically they got God to come down and uh, reprise his role? Oh yes, I mean, but isn't it great that he did? And I thought one thing I kept thinking all the way through because so Benedict Cumberbatch does the did the intro and the outro on the show, so he would yeah. uh, introduce it, and then at the end he would do the credits in very very, very fast voice, and he uh, yeah. always go at the BBC. Yes. at the end and I thought I wonder if he'll still do that or whether he'll be too much of a celebrity and he still did and he still he, I thought he was really good and he did a fantastic impression of Arthur doing an yes. impression yes. of um, of uh, oh why can I never remember the other guy's name yeah, Douglas. Douglas, thank you. I always forget Douglas's name. So he could, yes, he, so he didn't, because I imagine he could probably do a very good impression of Douglas, but he managed to do the most perfect Arthur. Um, oh my goodness, my brain is completely useless. Uh, Martin is, doing an impression of Douglas, yeah. which was well, just Douglas, really good. Uh, the way to remember Douglas is to remember the aircraft company. <laughs> is that right? Yes. No, so I, Ro- I heard Roger Allen doing a voice on a CBB show the other day. Yes, he does. He does them in a number of different places. Do you remember what we discovered, Benedict Cumberbatch? We did. We, we were the very first people to ever have heard of him five years ago. We, oh, this, this 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 jobbing actor who happens to do some radio comedy. Um, it was seven years ago, Nick. <sighs> July two thousand eight. It first aired. Oh dear. I know. And now yes, there was, yes, Benedict, and it was so funny because you listen to the program. Oh, Stephanie Cole, she's famous because she's Stephanie Cole off of Waiting for God. Mm. And then um, there's Roger Allen, and Roger Allen's relatively well known. And then yeah. John Finnemore, the writer. And so, you know, and there's this other guy, uh, Martin. I don't know who he is. Yeah, he look, he's I've got some a, silly name. Yeah, I've seen a picture of him. He looks a bit weird. Yeah. He's got a very silly, yeah, really terrible haircut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when they uh, did the, 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 the publicity shots for the first series. Yeah, I mean, what's what's funny about that is that genuinely anybody who listened to this podcast and had listened particularly to our interview with uh Finnemore, episode 20 if you want to listen yeah, to it if they were in america if they're americans or indeed any other probably even britain but certainly in america that would have definitely been the first time they'd have heard of benedict Cumberbatch. yes and they said oh i knew about him uh, five years before you did but it was very. I noticed that at the beginning, I think it was beginning of series three, uh, Sherlock started, and there's a whole bunch of jokes in the first episode about yes. how he how he's a terrible detective. And now what's great? And I remember at the time that after afterwards we thought, hmm, now that he's got such a big shot doing Sherlock, will he be able to do Cabin Fever again? <laughs> and now I hear the Sherlock people are saying, now he's such a big shot yes, Hollywood actor, will we ever get him to do Sherlock again? So he's uh, yes, now he's Oscar nominated now. Oh, that's it. I think we've lost him to radio, John. 
I've not seen. Uh, yeah, I don't. Well, he can. No, but that's the thing. He came back at the end of last year and did two more episodes of Cabin Pressure. So mm-hmm. it's not. I, I enjoy the humility of his doing that. He could easily have said, "No, no, I'm far too famous," and they could have very easily got the guy who filled in for him when he lost his voice. He did a perfectly good Martin mm-hmm. to have finished off the show. Do you think people will be annoyed that we've talked about a radio comedy that they haven't listened to? Well, if they haven't listened to it yet, then they're just idiots, aren't they? So I want to talk about the Zurich episodes because they were just so adorable. Let's not and do I, any spoilers. It, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but it was it was as if um, it was as if Arthur had written the ending. I think that was the point because yes. if you remember, um, Carolyn said, "Look." There are no fairy tale endings. Yes, and then that was clearly the challenge. Let's make a fairy tale ending. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that he went and he went all out just to enjoy writing a proper, genuinely unabashed, happy ending. Yeah, but also it was literally a fairy tale ending. I, I yes, give yes, away indeed. That, that that which was it was almost Macguff- Rumpelstiltskin. The MacGuffin was the fairy tale. Yes, yes. Um, so I mean, it was. Oh, we we're going to. We, oh, you're going to find a made of mm in the. Mm. <laughs> yes, it was quite yeah. ridiculous, but so lovely. And I read. Did you read his his blog post about? Uh, are you, is that your heartbeat? I can hear. Yeah, they're just breaking down my house. Okay. Did Did you read his blog post about the final episodes? About how it was. Every, it was the intention was for everyone to graduate from being a sitcom character into a real life person. No, I didn't. Well, that's interesting. But I'll tell you what, really, uh, the there was one thing that made me sad. Mm-hmm. Mr. Burling didn't have a cameo. Yes, it was odd that there was no there was no Burling Day in series. Was there a Burling Day in series four? Yes, there was, wasn't yes. there? Because it was the. Can you please pop next door and ask them to stop? <laughs> I'm just excited. <laughs> uh, talking about Mr. Burling, and I get my heart goes thumpity thump. It was a pity that they. Uh, there was the one false that I kept waiting for for just you know two minutes with Mr. Burling, and suddenly he. he if they could have him turning into a non-sitcom character, that would have been such fun. Yes, it would have been. Like, he could have. He could have been a very easy way for, to bail them out as well, couldn't it? That Mr. Yeah. Burling just comes along about gives them the money. So that would have been a bit. Maybe that's why he didn't bring him in because it would have been too easy and a solution. Yeah, uh, or, I mean, what I would have loved is at the end when, um, you know, where I can't give it away, but when one of the characters is shown in his in their new position, if suddenly, just at the end, Mister Burling had revealed himself to just be there somehow, and yeah, just a yeah, slight sigh, true. and that's the end of it. So I might write to him and tell him to re-record. That's a good idea. Yeah, they could have got Herc to encounter Burling. That would have been nice. Yeah, I think. That and there you good. go. There's another thing. He's it, it, what, the program for a Radio Four series. It really wasn't for want of very, very famous people. Oh, yes. Had Anthony Stewart Head and Benedict Cumberbatch, Giles from Buffy, indeed. Brunella Scales, um, uh, all these people. Yes, very good, very clever. Obviously, he must be good at sweet talking people. This Mister Finnemore, he must. Mm. He's a very lovely chap. I, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you feel a bit too sad. Go on then. We're never, we're never going to hear from Martin or Douglas or Carolyn or Arthur again. There is. I've just, I've got, I'll just get them on MP3 and just start again. But I just know. did that, and then it's like, well, I just, I've already heard them say. I want to know more about. I don't want to hear another episode after that because he ended it so perfectly. But I want, the, you know, more episodes in between to fill well, in the gaps. I don't well, want them to be gone. Well, that's the benefit of Alzheimer's, isn't it? You could listen to them anew every day. So <laughs> well, indeed, keep, if I wait a year or so, I will have forgotten the major details. For most keep episodes. your fingers crossed. Yeah. 
I don't need Alzheimer's. I can just time just so I, I forget True. enough details no, to enjoy things a second time. Ditto. And that's what's called. What are you listening to to make you fall asleep these days? Well, now I've run out of cabin pressures. I'm, li- I'm catching up on um, episodes of... Uh, um, Oh, what's that? Oh, for God, I'm so rubbish at everything. You are. Kill yourself. One day I'm going to just kill myself, because there's no real point in carrying on. Which you won't do a very good job of anyway. And you've got your will now. You've got your will now, so there's no point living. That's true. What's the programme about the quiz about books called? Um, It's called the quiz about books called. It's not called the quiz about books. It's called the quiz about books called. (laughs) No, it isn't. And Radio 4's categories are so fantastically useless, they don't actually include quiz at any point in them, and that quiz doesn't fit into any of the categories they do have. Entertainment? I don't think they even have that. They have comedy. Their categories are arts and culture, politics, comedy, science, nature, drama, and history. (laughs) A high roughage radio. There's not an even so comedy breaks down to character impressionist music satire sitcom sketch spoof stand up. They aren't aware how many quiz shows they broadcast. Mm. So talking about comedy, have you been listening to no show? No, I haven't. Funnily enough, why not? I've been very busy. Satire. Satire. It's, you know, good. So you can always tell good satire because it mentions that it's satire <laughs> very over funny. and over again, all the way through it. Yes. I I think you should listen to it. Maybe it'll pleasantly surprise you. No, it won't. It won't pleasantly surprise me. I'm finding out what this program is because I'm going to chop my nose off if I don't find out. I've got it favorited on my iPlayer, on my app, on my phone. How's Toby? He is a baby. Um, tell us what Laura told the world yesterday about his current um, important news that he has to give very quickly. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, he, he doesn't speak with his mouth full. He does speak with his mouth full. He's a very chatty baby at the moment. But he doesn't speak with his mouth full. He pulls off and then informs Well, no, he does. He tries to... He's one of his most... One of the ways he finds breastfeeding the most awkward is when he's trying to smile and talk at the same time. (laughs) Right. And you you then... then, But then he comes off and says what he needs to say and then goes roots back on again. (laughs) So, phew, lucky you got that off your chest just before... Off your chest, get it. So what's, what's good is how not this uh, the right stuff. The right stuff. I knew. I love the right pun. stuff. Okay, I'll listen to it. What do you have an archive of it? No, but there are five episodes currently on iPlayer. Okay, well I'll listen to that. What's the worst thing about Toby? <laughs> oh, okay. I'll tell you what the worst thing is. It's hungry cry. So mm. when he's upset or tired or you know and genuinely in need. Mm-hmm. And he cries, and you see the little tears. It's heartbreaking. It makes me want to do everything I can to make it okay. Mm. But when he's hungry, there's no tears. There's no sadness. It's just this r- horrible, stupid, nothing cry. So I was out with him. I took him out yesterday afternoon. Laura went back. Laura didn't have a good night the night before last, so she went back to bed um, yesterday. I took him out. Intended to be out for about three hours. Um, she fed him just before we left, um, but he didn't eat much. And so we get to the—he doesn't fall asleep till right till we get to the coffee shop, and then he sleeps for only half an hour. And then he's up and he's playing, but he's playing in a slightly crotchety way, and he's just mm. sort of, uh, no smiles, nothing like that. 
And then he just starts whinging and he starts crying because he's hungry, he's decided, and there's nothing I can do that's good enough. He won't go back to sleep, even though he's utterly exhausted. Mm. And so he's just having full-on, I won't go to sleep tantrums. And so I'm like, right, I just have to go home, something I can do. So I put it and he just makes this noise the whole way home, which is this kind of... just makes me so i'm so irrational in response to it because i get frustrated by his being stupid yes but he's 12 weeks old snap out of it young exactly i'm like just toby think it through have you ever not been fed when you were hungry no can i feed you no can anything be done while we're stood in the middle of tesco car park no you could you could you could get some brackish water out of a puddle Well, the problem, of course, with Toby is he doesn't have a have you ever sense. There's, there's, there is no ever. The only Indeed. thing that's ever existed is this moment, and it's a horrible moment. He's just beginning to get some object permanence, apparently, and I would have thought that with that would come some understanding of the, this moment not being perpetual, but apparently not. Apparently, you've just got a very bad. But it's not child. even that. Even if it were the case, even if he's like really upset, but it's not. It's just this. <laughs> Oh, shut up. And then when he got home, was he relieved? Did he do that relief? (laughs) Phew, phew thing. No, he didn't. He was in such a foul mood. He did that thing where he's like, he'll pull himself off the breast and then cry about the fact that he's not Just to complain about how long this has been incoming. Exactly. It's just, he was, oh, I I find it so stupid. I just have to stop and remind us, John, he's a 12-week-old baby. Nothing he's doing is malicious or deliberate. But it's good. I mean, that's the point. I mean, you have to allow yourself that reaction and just be mindful and conscious of that reaction and put it in context. The same thing with objectification. It's it's not that you should feel guilty about it, but just kind of slightly enjoy the ludicrousness of it. <laughs> yes. I just gave him a swift punch to the nose and everything was fine. Oh, I didn't know you were a Catholic. <laughs> good callback there. It was good. I can't imagine hitting him. Well, there is that by a good Christian about what size of stick, uh, stick you have to use. It's under, I think it's just over a foot, if I remember correctly. Well, I'm not sure about 12 weeks old. Maybe it's a slightly smaller switch for that age. Oh, OK. You don't want to spoil him, though. I don't, want to spa- I don't want to spare the rod. <laughs> Poor old Toby. Oh, well, never mind. You can always have another one. <laughs> Why? What has this one done? It's done. You say he just he just whinges too much. You need to get no, less. He, when he's, the, I think it's probably the contrast too. If we just had a whingy yeah. baby, it would just be. Yeah. But, but it's because it's so out of character to behave this way. He's normally so upbeat and cheerful and playful. Yeah. Well, that's the way it goes. So you've got a you've, your baby's all right. Your cat's a bit rubbish. Cat's um, useless. Yeah. Wife's um, okay. Wife will do. How's married life treating you? It's treating me like um, a quite friendly doctor who is perhaps nearing the end of his shift i see so he's got that you can you can tell the bags under his eyes <laughs> that's so unfair my marriage is so amazing it's a ridiculous thing to even suggest but is it though is it it really is i mean for now we'll yeah. see yeah but right now it's it's fantastic oh when were you when were you allowed to exercise your break clause you agreed remember you agreed a break clause oh good gracious we had six months and that rolled to two years. Uh-huh. Um, and oh my, I think we might have gone and rolled straight through it. So if you didn't exercise your break clause, that's no, it. No, that's it. I'm committed now. I forgot. Oh, goodness. Fortunately, I do rather love her, so it's okay. For now. For yeah. now. 
We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Plus, that's a bit selfish of you. Because oh, I'm not I, sharing her with no, others. No, but also, I rather love her, so that's okay. No. Well, hold on. Doesn't she kind of also have to love you, or doesn't that come into it? <laughs> her, her reaction to me is irrelevant. It's what I think of her that's important here. You're such a patriarch. <laughs> of course. What does she... She's an object. She's my chattel. I love my chattel <laughs> like I love my pot. <laughs> Are you going on holiday this year? Uh, we want baby? to, but the Toby does make things a little more awkward. You could go to a cottage. That's probably what we're going to do. In Wales. Laura wants... I want to go to Yorkshire because I want to go to Brigham Rocks again. Oh, well, I mean, if you're going to Yorkshire, you could come with us. After all, Yorkshire is our second home. No, that's Leeds. That's Yorkshire. No, it's not. It's Leeds is a separate annex. <laughs> are, you, are you saying there's something wrong with Leeds? Yes, and everyone uh, from it. Fair enough. I mean, I've, I've been to the Yorkshire Dales. Have you? I have. Mm. While we were at school, we, we, went, we went, they had a school trip to the Yorkshire Dales where all, you know, 13-year-olds had to go potholing and almost drowned. That was fun. <laughs> I particularly like the way that the sheep basically defecated directly into the potholes through which one was swimming on one's back with the, with a face of rock in front of you that was that was a great memory <laughs> mm. brim and rocks is amazing it's i've ever talked about it before i felt i talked about it to someone recently and i don't want to have no. done my usual no you, you are right you'll soon uh, be able to listen to cabin pressure again i know excellent uh, no, you but haven't it's... told me about the rocks i have or haven't sorry it, you haven't is it like giant's causeway no, it's a, it's, a, it's a peculiar geological phenomenon where these stacks have been created. Um, and what's the most extraordinary thing about it is they're climbable and there are no ropes or people stopping you. Really? Uh, surely there are signs saying don't do this. Well, now, I haven't been there since I was a child, so maybe it's changed. Maybe Escalator has been. But looking at pictures of it now, there doesn't <laughs> there don't seem to be any any ropes who are still and you could climb it i climbed up to the top of one and my parent my mum decided that the best option was just not to watch <laughs> right um rather that, that, than because i could better yeah. when i was about 11 or 12 i couldn't be stopped from climbing anything really so i was thinking i don't mind uh if you oh she minded down. but I she knew that i was going to do it anyway it. Uh, so she thought if i don't look then i can i'll worry less anyway so i got to the top of this big stack and i was very proud and there was another one right next to it so i jumped from one stack to the next Mm-hmm. maybe it's about three foot lower two foot away so i jumped oh, from one to the other and that one turned out to be um a cone shaped, so there was no way to climb down uh. turned to point down it was cone pointing downward and so i had to get back to the other one so i had to do a proper run and jump land with my arms holding onto the top and then oh, scramble my way back up and there was this other kid at the top and he refused to help me because he was too scared oh god that was fun so you could have died quite could have died could have died quite a lot would you have allowed Toby to have done that? Would I have? Yes, or will you? No, because he's only 12 weeks old, and any of the previous part, past weeks, I would have said no. I would have put my foot down. Well, what about when he was your age? Would you have said, no, just don't be ridiculous, stop doing that? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'd probably, if most likely, I would have climbed up there with him. Hmm. So, because I'm still, I find myself very inclined to climb things. Yes, you're a monkey. Did you? Did I ever talk? I, I was remembering recently. My my school, my yes. secondary school oh, was. With a, with a, was that the one with the pedo in or without? Yeah, the so it had a pedo. Uh, yeah. The gym teacher, Mister Myers, pedo. the school pedo. Yeah, they keep him in the cupboard with pedo written on the door. Yes. Uh, it was. It was two minutes walk from my house. It was literally the next road. Uh huh. 
Um, and uh, during the summer, we used to just climb over the walls and hang out on the field, mm-hmm. me and my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, until we got literally chased away by the caretaker, like we were in some in a Beano comic. Oh dear. Um, did, did he shake his fist and go Grr. he basically he basically did shake his fist <laughs> and he actually said at one point I know your mother okay because um, my mum taught at the school yeah. so anyway so yeah we would he would he, so he lived in a house that was near the school grounds and could see that we were set, set on the field but most of the time we would just get away with it we'd just sit on the field probably drinking white lightning and just having no I didn't we didn't really drink when we were still at looking school looking at your stash of page threes it wasn't until we were 18, 19 that White Lightning entered our lives. Mm. Uh, no, we wouldn't be doing anything. Like I was over my page three phase uh, mm. by then. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd advanced. Um, okay. <laughs> I was on page four by then. Yes. <laughs> um, politicians. Anyway, but another thing we would do, me and my friend Alistair, we would climb into the school during the weekends or the holidays, and then we would just climb the school buildings. Oh, right. Well, that's we fun. And we would just so like we'd work out routes and we'd climb up drain pipes and windowsills and and things to get onto the roofs. And once we were on the roofs, we could then pick up all the tennis balls and footballs and stuff that had been lost there and go home with these massive halls of balls. Did you use the balls? We would play sometimes play with the balls, yes. Hmm. But it was brilliant. And and, and there were some of the routes we took we we knew were really dangerous. There was one particular building but to get onto the roof of it you had to go over this big drop this steps went down to a basement and you had to hand dangle over the big drop and get onto these different things and then we figured out how to get on top of the gym and then all the bit the, the school was made of two separate but very large buildings so we kind of it constantly extended buildings and we could run and jump and climb all the way along the tops of these buildings to get to different bits and we'd find things like open windows through which we could have easily just entered the school and nicked everything but fortunately so you basically had your own real life platform game well, exactly, but we were law-abiding, young gentlemen. But what ex- what I find extraordinary is that I know for a fact that at no point in doing any of this did I worry about the fact that I really obviously look like a burglar. Oh, yes, well, but you would have just said, no, I'm a student, this is my but, uh, school, I own it. <laughs> but of course I would have been rightfully arrested by the police if I'd been caught doing this. Well, I don't know, is it a crime? No, it's trespassing. It's, def- it's trespassing and, and no. very much looks like intent no, to no. In- break in. Trespass is just a civil offence. I don't know. Trespass is civil. You can't be arrested for it in that regard, especially if you didn't cause any damage. But it is odd that no one ever saw these two teenage boys running around on the roof of the school and called the police. Just shows you. It does just show me, doesn't it? It's It's, it's weird. It doesn't feel like the kind of teenager I was. I was a very boringly good kid. And yet at the same time, I kept breaking into the school to climb it. We all have those... Those little parts of us. Now, before we go, we must uh, explain about the cancellation of Thomas Aquinas Day. Oh, that's very important. Please do. So the 28th of January was to be a new international holiday, Thomas Aquinas Day. However, uh, Nick's further research uncovered that Thomas Aquinas was a massive dick. Yes, so we can't have that. Uh, So he was a giant anti-Semite and a really nasty piece of work. So uh, we've discovered uh, a much better person. Yes. Who was born on the 29th of January and does not have his own international day. No, he does not. Uh, Mr. Emanuel Swedenborg. Swedenborg. He was a fantastic chap with Swedenborg. You're he was an extraordinary scientist. Yes, he discovered he the neuron about 100 years before anyone else. Clever man. Um, and no one believed him. No. So, yes, yeah, so let's check out Emanuel Swedenborg, who was born on the 29th of January in 1688. Very good. Um, and he died 84, at age 84 in those days. Very good. Uh, which is brilliant. He was born in Sweden, died in Britain, 
Um, and he was very famous for being an extraordinarily prescient scientist who then went completely barking mad. Excellent. And he, uh, he visited, he says, he visited, but he could visit at will both heaven and hell. Oh, excellent. Um, and in the spiritual awakening that allowed him to write a series of, of, of theological texts. <laughs> but he was a well-respected theologian as well as being barking mad. It sounds like just the sort of person who represents this podcast. Exactly, that's why I thought it was perfect. Sweet uh, rational day. and irrational in one. According, day. according to the Heavenly Doctrine, the Lord had opened Swedenborg's spiritual eyes. So the Heavenly Doctrine is the book he wrote. So that, that from then on he could freely visit heaven and hell and talk with angels, demons and other spirits. Mm-hmm. And the last judgment had already occurred in 1757. Oh, had it. However, he tells us that, it, that, that at this day... It is very dangerous to talk with spirits unless the person is in true faith and is led by the Lord. Okay. Well, I think that we should definitely... We, what, you should have to have Swedish meatballs on the stage, surely. <gasps> yes, okay, so that's the rule. So 29th January, I've, have you booked it off work? Yes. I have, I've got it booked off work. Indeed. Um, and so what day can, is it? Let's tell what, what day of the week it is. I believe it's a Thursday, yes, it's a yes. Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you must eat Swedish meatballs... Um, you maybe have if, a bath. You if you've been a bath. planning a trip to Ikea for a while, to, that's the day to do it. Exactly. Have a bath. Oh, you have to have a bath even though it's not, um, uh, yes. not Aquinas. But the thing about the uh, trip to Ikea is you're not allowed to buy any flat pack furniture or anything like that. Oh, you no. You just, just go to the restaurant and then come back home. You could buy a heart cushion with happy arms on it, though. <laughs> okay, that's the only exclusion. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, oh, Kant talked about Swedenborg. Did he? He was very impressed with the, uh, the accounts and inquiries to find... Blah, 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 blah. I want to find some quotes. Let's see if I can find some Emmanuel Swedenborg quotes. Bear with me, listeners. I'm not going to bear you. You're not a listener. You're a, a, a creator. Emmanuel Swedenborg, as in beyond Borg. I wonder if it's got the... Uh... There's a picture of him. He's holding a... Uh... Oh, I beg your pardon, Nick. Oh, pardon. <laughs> He's holding a... There's a picture of him and he's holding a, a slate. Oh, yes, and of course he's highly regarded by poets, writers and mystics such as Blake, Baudelaire, Strindberg, Balzac, Yeats, Jung and William James. So there you go. It's, it seems to me that he's... He's an interesting character. So it says, During the 1730s, Swedenborg undertook many studies of anatomy and physiology. He had the first anticipation, as far as known, of the neuron concept. It was not until a century later that science recognised the full significance of the nerve cell. He also had prescient ideas about the cerebral cortex, the hierarchical organisation of the nervous system, the localisation of the cerebral... I don't know how to say this word, I'm afraid. The cerebrospinal fluid. Cerebral spinal fluid. No, it's not. It's not cerebral spinal fluid. Cerebrospinal fluid. Cerebrospinal fluid. There you go. The functions of the pituitary gland, the uh, perivascular spaces, the foramen of the mag, uh, magendi, mm-hmm. magendi, the uh, idea of somatotopic organisation, the association of the frontal brain regions with the intellect. In some cases, his conclusions have been experimentally verified in modern times. So he was a proper bona fide genius. Gosh. So there you are. And mad. Went, he went mad in late, well he either went mad in later life or he had a genuine spiritual revelation with the Lord hmm. it's one of the two well I think that it could be either and we shouldn't judge him but let's not look too deep into him before we find out that he hates the Jews <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> you know I did, I did check his I did uh, control F his Wikipedia page for Jew and Semite <laughs> it didn't come up he's, he's written um, 
one of the books he's written, uh, and it's available online, is called um, Conjugal Love, Preliminary Relations Respecting the Joys of Heaven and Nuptials There. He's asking about how, you know, what happens with marriage and sex in heaven. One often discussed aspect of Swedenborg's writing was his ideas on marriage. Swedenborg himself remained a bachelor all his life, but that did not hinder him from writing voluminously on the subject. His work on marriage love, conjugal love in older translations, was dedicated to the purpose. The central question with regard to marriage is whether it stops at death or continues into heaven. Yes. The question arises due to a statement of Jesus' that there is no marriage in heaven. Um, uh, for a detail, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, he's all talked about that. Um... I think he's basically saying you can swing all you want when you get to heaven. Swedenborg saw creation as a series of pairings descending from the divine love and wisdom that define God as the basis of creation. The duality can be seen in the pairing of good and truth, charity and faith, God and the church, and husband and wife. In each case, the goal for these pairs is to achieve conjunction uh, between the two component pairs. In the case of marriage, the object is to bring about the joining together of the two partners as the spiritual and physical, at, at the spiritual and physical levels and the happiness that comes as a consequence. So it sounds like he was very much an egalitarian and equality-type dude. Yeah, uh, and let's assume he was, even if, uh, <laughs> yes. even if he wasn't. Because I'm not going to bloody well find another one now if you find that he was a pedo or something. <laughs> All his quotes are boring... Uh, theology quotes where's some fun silly stuff he said mm. <sighs> this is no good we can't form a, uh, a traditions based on these yeah there's oh, nothing well. about having a nice bath and a glass of wine here um, it talks a bit about sex in his thing um, so you know, there might be you might have to have some sort of sex on the day I guess <laughs> but he was a bachelor With with man, conjugal love is in the love of sex as a gem in its matrix. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not. I wonder if he was a young homosexual gentleman and, and of course, at the time was not able to... Even in, the, even in groovy Sweden, was not able to express... He was a express. confirmed bachelor. A confirmed bachelor. Anyway, so there we've got it. We've got it. Good. So there you go, 29th of January. You've booked the day off because, and the reason for this, of course, if anyone has forgotten, is because going back to work at the beginning of January is crap. Um, and so you think to yourself, oh, well, it's nothing until Easter. Well, not anymore. 29th of January is a day off. A great a day off and a great day of feasting. Exactly, a day of, and, you're, and on that day you must begin by being rational and scientific and end by being completely barking mad. That's important. And use no. whatever you need to use to get you into that state. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Okay. Are so, you recommending people take um, uh, hallucinogenic drugs? Or just put a brown paper bag over their head for a while. Or just watch um, some daytime TV. That'll do. That does the trick for me. There's a programme on BBC One every morning. There's two programmes on BBC One. I don't know if they're still on. I noticed mm-hmm. them during my paternity period. Yeah, One of them was part, propaganda then. for local councils. With Mark Radcliffe. What? narrating a program about how in which he f- repeatedly describes all local council workers as heroes they're not though are they and presents them as these fighting for the rights of people they're hot it's so the script is such peculiar propaganda and then all you need to do is get any copy of private eye to find out what local councils are really up to and how institutionally corrupt they are yes but he talks about them as these these the modern heroes of our time. It's written, I'm not exact, that's literally the kind of words he would use in the programme. It's horrendous. Ludicrous. And there's another programme on BBC One in the mornings which is about how uh, doll scum 
Oh, okay. So, so it's 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 the quid pro quo. It's it's so odd that it exists. Hmm. Saints and Scroungers, it's called. That sounds great. And this is on every stinking day. I'm going to watch it. Matt, it's on at 11 o'clock, so it's on in 50 minutes after home, the excellent Homes Under the Hammer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's presented by that vile... Oh, that man from off of Watchdog, and, and, he'd, and he's on... Um, and I'm not talking about Nicky Cumbell. No, no, Paul Part. Uh, yeah, him. He does. He does all sorts of these nasty, like, oh, I'm going to catch this person who's dod- dodgy dealer, rogue tradery programs. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, Matt visits the headquarters of the DWP to discover more about a seven-year-long benefit fraud involving a man who said he could not even get out of bed by himself. Investigators go undercover to film him at his day job, but will their surveillance footage be enough to convict him? And Sounds we meet Sue, a grandmother trying her hardest to care for her severely disabled grandchild. With the introduction of this so-called bedroom tax, their future could be uncertain. Well, it's fair enough. But what a... So it's just a programme just... Excusing the fact that it's trying to run around saying, "Look, everyone, all these people on benefits are scum," by are. going, "Oh, except for this dear old lady, she's acceptable." Yeah, but they are scum, aren't they? No, Nick, they're not. They're the sort of scum who would look at page three. Let's be honest. They're the kind of people who might not have as much money as me, and are therefore worse. Gross. Let's not pretend that they're not inherently worse, John Cameron. <laughs> PC. <laughs> Okay, shall we say goodbye? You can. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.